0: The week eight preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. You know, guys, I don't know about you, but for me, any game is 10 times more exciting when I am putting money down on it. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or if you're placing a wager for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. With pro and college football, the World Series in full swing, and both hockey and basketball just getting things kicked off for the season now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action so if you really want to support your team or just make a few extra bucks don't just sit on the sidelines get in on the game with MyBookie.ag. and if you join right now MyBookie will double your first deposit that's right double throw down 250 you're playing with 500 throw in 500 you're playing with a thousand the deposit is good up to a thousand dollars so throw down a thousand you're playing with two Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. Where at mybookie. You play, you win, you get paid. My guest this week, folks, Jason Hirshhorn. And I remember I, I couldn't remember where exactly he was from. Well, he's it's it's amazing that I couldn't remember because he's from Sports Illustrated. He is the L.A. Chargers beat writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's also working with uh, with uh, with Evan Western and our friends at Acme Packing Company. Uh, he also listed off a few other places, so he's a busy guy. But his main job these days is working the beat for the San Diego Chargers, L.A. Chargers. Excuse me, I still can't get that. You know, it's been what two, three years now, and still calling the San Diego Chargers. But uh, nonetheless, he is the beat writer working day day by day for the L.A. Chargers for Sports Illustrated. So that's my guest for this week. And guys, it's the week eight preview. We got a big game ahead of us and, you know, not so much in, in competition or our opponent who is struggling this week. But it's a huge game and the Bears need it. It's the week eight preview of the Bears talk underground. So let's get to it. week number eight we are nearing the halfway point of the season already and you guys hear me say it every single year we piss and moan we complain and whine about how long the offseason is and then when the season gets started it starts to just blur right past us we're almost already at the halfway point week eight for the nfl week seven for our beloved or the seventh game of the, uh, the year for our beloved so almost to the halfway point and it's You know, it's like we feel like we're barely getting started, and yet we're already halfway done. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for Week 8 Preview. Bears talk underground. It'll be Bears-Chargers this Sunday. Now, when the schedule came out, this, uh, this stretch that we're in the midst of right now looked rather daunting. You know, we had the Saints coming off the bye. We had the Chargers. And then next week we got Philadelphia in Philly. And that was like, holy hell three playoff teams from last year coming off the bye. That's going to be rough, but uh, it turns out that this, based on how the year has gone so far, is our best opportunity of the year to uh, to really write some things with the team. Not saying maybe that it will uh, write things for the rest of the year, but I think if we have the success that it's setting up to, like when I talked to Jason Hirshhorn I talked to him on Tuesday night, so this conversation's a little bit uh, old. It was the only night this week that he was uh, available. But when we talked, he talked about the woes and the troubles that the Chargers are having, why a playoff team that went 12-4 and four last year is off to a 2-5 and five start uh, and everything. It sounds like the perfect opportunity for the Bears to right some of their wrongs uh, this week, and it needs to be taken advantage of fully because we've got Philly next week. I believe we got the we got the Lions coming up soon after. We got the Lions coming up after that. Uh we we got the we got the we got a, a plethora of AFC or excuse me NFC games. We only have one NFA one AFC game left after this and it's the Chiefs week 16. So everything takes on a little bit much a little bit more of a heavier weight uh, after this Sunday uh with the Chargers because we've already played the Broncos and the Raiders, we play the Chargers now. And then, like I said, the Chiefs Week 16, those are the games, yeah, you hate to lose them. But as far as playoff standing and things like that, that you're going to have to get deep into the tiebreaker for those AFC games to uh, to play a factor uh, in it. But the Bears are in desperate need of a win. We're in desperate need of a solid performance because we really haven't had one yet. I think Washington is the best game That we've played so far. And even at the end of that game, we started not to look very good. I mean, the defense had to perform some of its magic there. Uh, Otherwise, they were in danger of making that a one score uh, football game. I mean, when I say they, I mean the Redskins uh, and everything. But I mean, that was like the most complete game that we had. You know, Eddie Pinero is smashing field goals. Mitch threw three touchdown passes in the first half. Uh, the defense is, uh, you know, forcing turnovers, getting sacks, scoring their own points, and uh, and things like that. It was the best game that we played so far, and yet we all kind of came away still not feeling all that great about it. You know what I mean? And this is a game that is setting itself up anyway. When you hear the conversation I have with Jason here in a few moments. And and you think about where the Bears are struggling and where they need to improve, this sounds like the perfect game in order to do it. And it'll be at home, it'll be in an early start, especially for the Chargers. A, a 12 noon start in Chicago is the same as a 10 AM kickoff uh, in Los Angeles on the West Coast. Now, as as you'll hear Jason say, that is that that statistic is kind of you know skewed to the point where it doesn't really matter as much as it used to, but it still can affect the team to uh, you know have a 10 a.m. kickoff uh, when they're from the uh, the west coast They have to go to you know out on the east coast or here in the Midwest. Those early starts uh, you s- they do kind of come off a little bit uh, sluggish because their body clock is is still in the morning. You know what I mean? So um, hopefully that will be a factor that will work in the Bears. Uh, favor, and at the very least, it will uh, impede the Chargers to, to get off to a slow start. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't wake up until after halftime when it's noon for them and things like that. I mean, even on the West Coast, they don't kick off until one o'clock on the West Coast, which is why the the afternoon game at three around here. So I don't know. But, uh, you know, like I said, it, it is it's setting itself up perfectly for this to be a game for the Bears to 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 work on what's ailing them. we're we're as healthy as we've been all year they we've we've uh we practiced two days this week Wednesday uh and Thursday there's one name on the injury report just one it's Sherrick McManus who left the Saints game uh with a concussion or in concussion protocol I should say and he hasn't practiced yet I'm guessing he's still in the protocol hasn't been cleared uh not looking good uh for this uh Sunday. So the Bears are as healthy as we've been, minus, of course, Akeem Hicks uh, and Kyle Long, but we're as healthy as we've been all year long, which says a lot considering how uh
1: Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: how we how beat up we were or how we got beat up against the Saints that we came out healthy and then a week after that game were healthier than we were going in. We had five, six guys on the injury list going into the Saints game. Nobody except for Sheriff McManus on the injury list this time. The Chargers, are, however, are extremely banged up. They got guys all over the place. I think it was 11 or 12 names that I saw on the injury list, some of the highlights being uh, Melvin Ingram, uh, one of their linebackers or – defensive ends defending on uh, the position I guess Uh, he's suffering from a knee injury he hasn't practiced yet this week or he's been limited uh, things like that so I mean Jason will break down all of the injuries and and uh, you know what they've suffered and uh, one name that isn't on the injured list but because he's on IR is Derwin James there who a year ago was their top draft choice one of the best rookies Uh, in the league and made the Pro Bowl and was, I think, an All-Pro candidate if he didn't make the All-Pro team uh, last year. He broke his foot in training camp and was placed on IR. He's due to come back soon, but he's not playing on Sunday. So uh, that was one of the first things Jason and I talked about was, you know, Derwin James not being in the lineup and how that's affected the defense and, uh, you know, how it's hurt the defense and and, uh, really skewed from last year's team to this year's uh, team. And uh, really, the only other bit of news, uh, you know, there are a couple other things I want to get to. Number one, uh, the Bears have a new player uh, on the team. His name is Brent Urban, Uh, signed off of the, uh, well, not signed off of waivers or anything. He was released uh, by the Titans uh, over the weekend. He was uh, drafted by the the Ravens back in 2014. He was a starter for them last year Uh, in 2018, started all 16 games for them. Uh, went over to Tennessee this year. For one reason or another, it didn't work out. Uh, they sent him packing. The Bears picked him up over the weekend and uh, released Jonathan Harris uh, to uh, for the corresponding roster move. Jonathan Harris uh, has also been picked up off of waivers by Vic Fangio uh, out there in in uh, Denver. So at least Jonathan Harris won't be going hungry anytime Anytime uh soon. But uh Brent Urban is a massive, massive man, defensive and defensive tackle, what do you want to whatever you want to call him in this three four uh defense and brought it in to provide a little bit of uh depth with the Akeem Hick size hole that we have uh at that position uh right now. But he's like six seven, you know, three hundred pounds. The guy is not tiny uh at all. And uh, you know, he's been practicing Uh, with the team so far uh, this week and uh, I saw some uh, like an interview he did earlier uh, today saying that basically uh, he's been hanging out with Akeem Hicks who's been uh, more than generous with his time and helping him learn the defense and get uh, get acclimated uh, with the team uh, since he's only been with us since yesterday on Wednesday that's when he joined the team officially so uh, we'll see uh, if he is a activated for the game on sunday and if he does get to see the field uh we'll see what he gets to do uh what he's capable of i know you know he's a player he's uh he's not a rookie or 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 anything like that he's been around like i said since 2014 he was a mid-round pick i think they said a fourth round pick for the ravens back in 2014 so he's been in the league for five six years uh now not sure why it didn't work out in tennessee or why he left baltimore maybe free agency i'm guessing but um you know he's a bear now. And uh, we'll see what he can do for us uh, this coming week. And then the other big headline uh, this week was after the debacle that was the Saints game uh, on Sunday, there was a lot of talk about a players only meeting for the, the players to get together and, and talk amongst themselves without any coaches or anything like that uh, interfering or, uh, you know, uh, mentoring the conversation uh, or what have you. And uh, it was confirmed yesterday when uh, Mitch Trubisky was at the podium that that meeting has taken place. The players have sat down uh, and spoken amongst themselves and, uh, you know, talking about what needs to uh, be done and uh, knowing that they are a better team. Even though 3-3 three three is not a bad record and we're constantly reminding ourselves as optimists that 3-3 three and three is where we were a year ago at this time, but, uh, you know, as any realist would uh, would tell you, it was a much different looking three and three than this, you know. Three and three we were coming off of a very close game with the Patriots, where we went toe for, we went toe to toe with the eventual uh, world champion, and we were you know literally a yard away from Kevin White tying up the game at the end of regulation on a Hail Mary pass. He caught the ball at the one yard line, wasn't able to get into the end zone, and I fully believe to this day if we go to overtime, we beat the Patriots. I believe that, but it didn't happen so we'll never know <laughs> but you know it was a much different uh, face that we were putting on this a year ago and it was all optimism and look what we just did you know we we had this bad loss against miami and we sp- responded by going toe-to-toe with the with one of the best teams in in this of this era and in this time and at and you know little did we know the future world champions uh and everything this time we're coming off the bye we're at home we got punched in the mouth by the Saints repeatedly, especially in the second half. the 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 game was nowhere near as close as the final score would would indicate, and nothing is working. We're coming off a game where the the defense kind of got rolled, especially in the second half. And the running game we're getting pushed around and worn down. The offense looks worse than it ever did, uh, you know, last year or anything like that. Even with the learning curve and the you know, the bumps in the road, uh, Mitch looked competent, even when he was making bad throws and stuff, there was just a different aura to him. Speaking of which it, when it was, he, he confirming that the players only meeting took place. A lot of people noticed that there was a very different, very different tone to the way Mitch was talking, uh, of, you know, a very different way that he was carrying himself during that particular, uh, press conference. And, um, you know, basically like, uh, you know, for forgive the phrase, like he got his balls back or something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that he faced a lot of tough love in that meeting, if you want to call it that. Or maybe he just got a swift kick in the ass, depending on how you want to look at it. That, uh, you know, basically his teammates went in there and told him, you're our guy. We support you. We love you. You're our leader. You're our captain. You're our quarterback and whatever. But you got to do better, man. You got to take it. You got to do way better than you're doing. You're better than this. So get it together, you know? And, uh, he seemed a bit more confident, a bit more sure of himself. And I'm hoping that that translates into the, onto the field somehow on Sunday that we see a little bit more of that because he's, he just doesn't look like himself. Like he's unsure of what he should be doing. And Uh, or anything and and i'm hoping that uh, you know he just didn't really look like that at all last year even while everyone was aware that he was still learning the system as he was going along last year you were seeing constant progress yeah he made it maybe had a bad game here or there like the rams game and and things like that he had his moments but overall he went through the season not making the same mistake twice and you know he ended the he peaked at the end of the season there with the way he played against the eagles and uh in the playoff game and we're not seeing anything like that uh this year we're just not seeing it he's had one good quarter the second quarter against the redskins where he threw three touchdown passes uh to taylor gabriel especially that last one where gabriel did an amazing job staying in bounds and you know making that catch over his head and uh, and all that was a dime of a throw from Mitch, uh, and everything. He's had that one quarter to to like sit on, and after that, it's been yeah, all right, maybe a throw here, a throw there, uh, the throw to Allen Robinson to set up the game-winning field goal against the Broncos. But other than that, it's been mostly shaking your head, scratching your head, wondering what the hell he's doing. So I'm hoping that that players-only meeting turns out to be a turning point in the season where the defense is, you know, saying, what the hell are we doing out here, guys? We can't expect Khalil to be doing it all by himself. He's getting double teamed and kind of schemed out of the game. Nobody else is stepping up to make the plays. You know, it's like I know Akeem's not here, but we, we're not, you know, it's not a two-man defense. We got some of the best players, and any team in the NFL would want to have us, you know, most of us on their teams, and we're not playing like it right now. Where has Eddie Jackson been? Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamura?" Uh, you know, where the hell's Roquan Smith been? It's like ever since he missed the Minnesota game, the guy's kind of been out to lunch uh, and everything. And hopefully that was something that was addressed and, and we finally get to see these guys step up and be who we know them to be. Uh, Even if we just get back to the defense that they were in those first four games where they were just like, Jesus, well, look at this defense. This defense will carry us. This defense will carry us to 10, 11, wins because we won't need to score more than 14 points to win a ball game i mean hell guys we in our first four games we won three two of them we won with by only scoring 16 points that's when you know your defense is balling out and you know the defense needs to be more like that again where they're shutting teams down making it easier for the offense and not you know not requiring the offense to have to go and rattle off 30 40 points to uh to win a football game and then obviously we know what's going on uh, with the offense where the improvements need to be made and what needs to be fixed there so based on the way that mitch was carrying himself in that press conference the tone in his voice and uh you know just his overall kind of aura if you will uh it seems like you know things are a little bit different and hopefully that will translate on the field and we'll see a uh, a new Mitch Trubisky on Sunday against the Chargers and, and like I said this game is shaping up to be exactly what this team needs uh, right now you know this is a team that not, is not the team that it was uh, a year ago it's wounded it's on the road it's a basically a 10 a.m. start for them it's not going to be that pretty outside uh, as far as weather conditions are concerned it'll be a little chillier maybe a little rainy on Sunday that kind of thing everything is just shaping up to line up well Uh, for the Bears on Sunday and uh, I hope they take advantage of it I really do so hopefully that players meeting uh, will be looked back at the end of the season as a turning point and and where things really got shook up and some some things that were needed to be talked about and honesty and and uh, you know with uh, with love and respect at the same time those words were spoken it all got out there everybody walked out of the meeting a better man than they were when they walked in and then they brought it against the Chargers on Sunday and set themselves off for a run in the second half uh, of the year. That would be an amazing story if that's how it actually uh, goes down. <laughs> if we come out on Sunday and the Chargers hand us our ass again, uh, then, uh, then yeah, then, it's, uh, then what was that meeting for? Because obviously it didn't have an effect. So Anyway, that's it for our, our, our news and notes and uh, everything in between what do you say we go ahead and uh bring in our guest it's jason Hirschhorn, uh the la chargers beat writer from sports illustrated here to help us preview week eight between the bears and the chargers Week number eight of the season has our beloved returning home once again, or staying home, I guess I should say, uh, at Soldier Field this time with the incoming LA Chargers uh, coming to Soldier Field to to one of these teams is going to get off the Schneid and uh, get a victory under their belt and to uh, help us uh, preview this ball game with the LA Chargers, we got the LA Charger beat writer for Sports Illustrated, Jason Hirschhorn. Jason, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, Larry. So let me, these these are two teams, and they kind of parallel each other in a way to where they had big 2018 seasons, um, they, they had big expectations coming into 2019, a lot of talk about maybe the Chargers making a run for the Super Bowl or, or challenging the Patriots at the very least, which they did not do in that divisional game last year. And, you know, they come out, they're a regular season, or excuse me, a regular week one in the what the what the hell is the word I'm looking for? In in the first game of the season, I'm sorry, man. In the season opener, well, in season opener, regular time, uh, their field goal miss away from Vinatieri, from being a one in six team, uh, right now. I mean, they're they're two and five right now. They they beat the the, the Colts week one and. The other victory they have is against the Dolphins, and who couldn't beat the me and you and nine of our closest friends could beat the Dolphins uh, at the moment. I mean, it's it's not an impressive resume that the, the Chargers have right now, just like the Bears have stumbled out of the blocks, even though they're hundred right now. Where has things gone sideways for the Chargers early on in the season?
1: Well, if you want to be honest, things probably went sideways for them before the season even began. Their mm-hmm. most impactful defensive player – at least the way I see it, is Derwin James, he broke his foot during training camp. Mm -hmm. Now, he's someone they expect to get back. Uh, He actually becomes available to come off of IR after week eight, I don't think that that's likely to happen until much closer to the end of November and probably into December, at which point it may not even be worth doing for them based on what the record is. So that was a big blow for them because that defense, one of the things that they developed last year when they won 12 games was that they could play multiple safeties and really a lot of defensive backs overall, more so than you get with a lot of other other defenses. So in their base defense, they'd like to play with three safeties with Derwin James kind of alternating between a like a hybrid linebacker role and then more of a traditional strong safety role just because of all the different things that he brings to the table. Once he went out, that was gone. And then their other at least big playmaking safety, Adrian Phillips, suffered an injury early in the year. I believe it was week two. And once those two guys went out, you're talking about Roderick Teamer coming in. He's a rookie, I believe an undrafted free agent, certainly someone with not a lot of experience coming in. And even though he's making strides, you can tell that he's not someone who's ready for the role that he's in right now. And then you talk about all the injuries that they've had on the defensive fronts. I mean, th- this past week, they went with 75% of their starting defensive line out for the game. And they just signed earlier today, according to reports, Sylvester Williams, the defensive tackle, formerly of the Broncos. Mm. I don't think you do that unless you are expecting one or multiple of those guys not to be available again this week against the Bears. So that whole defense is basically running on fumes. Now, for the players that they still have, I think they're actually doing a pretty commendable job. But the talent is just not where it was. When you look at the other side of the ball, their offensive line has fluctuated Seemingly every single week, uh, certainly the last few, Uh, they lost their starting center, Mike Pouncey, a few weeks ago that moved their left guard into center and one of their backups into left guard. That new left guard, Forrest Lamp, suffered a season-ending injury this past week and now. They've they've moved uh, center Dan Feeney back to left guard. Seems like Scott Quisenberry, a second year fifth round pick, is going to be coming in for center. Though head coach Anthony Lynn did mention that it might end up being Ryan Groy, a player who's spent some time uh, with with the Chargers and a few other teams. They signed him a few weeks ago after yeah, the Bears were one of injury. them. Actually, yeah, exactly. He, started so he with the actually. Bears. Sorry. He actually might start this week. It's not clear. My guess is that it will be Quisenberry, but we'll we'll have to see. They've had injuries you know, across the receiving core. Melvin Gordon wasn't injured, but he missed the first four weeks or three weeks uh, in terms of his actual uh, availability. And then in week four against the Dolphins, he was active but didn't play. So just a lot of moving parts with this team. And, I mean, even special teams got hit, too. I mean, they lost their starting kicker before the season. They went for several weeks with their punter uh, handling double duty. So we're talking about all three phases of your team dealing with significant injuries. I mean, it's going to be hard for any team to compete in that circumstance.
0: Wow. I mean, it's so it's not even like the the Bears situation where, for the most part, they have all the pieces that they had from last year. They're just not playing well uh, right now or they've you know, they're not sneaking up on anybody. Maybe like they did last year, the Chargers have pretty much been decimated and they're doing the best they can with what they have.
1: I guess that's a that's a pretty fair way of putting it. And a lot of the big players that they still have have not been playing up to their usual level. That starts with quarterback Philip Rivers. I still believe that Philip Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when everything's going his way. Mm -hmm. That just hasn't been the way he's played in the month of October. And that whole offense really has been in a funk Uh, going into October they had 50, they had gone 55 straight games scoring points in the first half. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was the longest streak in the NFL by I think like over 2 or by or by a, uh, a margin of 2. And then in the month of October, they did not score first half points as an offense until this past week. So that that's a bit of a problem when that consistency just suddenly disappears. Now part of that is relates to all those injuries that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But part of it is that Rivers just keeps making a lot of uh, frankly unforced errors. Two weeks ago, he tossed a, a like a backwards lateral to Melvin Gordon that was overthrown, and it, it had two problems. One, it was overthrown. Two, because it was backwards, it was a live ball, and because Gordon was just getting back into the flow of things, it didn't occur to him to go jump on it right away. <laughs> uh, Steelers linebacker... A rookie linebacker, Devin Bush, scoops it up, takes it back for the score. And then the very next possession for the Chargers, one of Reverend's passes is tipped, is intercepted again by Bush. And then soon thereafter, the Steelers have a 14-point lead. And it's been that kind of month for the Chargers. Now, it's not that they were playing particularly well overall in the month of September, but this is a different team right now. In terms of the offense, they're performing as one of the worst units since October 1st. And they are starting to get some of those guys back. Mike Williams, who missed some time, is back in the lineup. They just got Hunter Henry back two weeks ago. And Melvin Gordon is, you know, he's several weeks now back into the program. So that offense should be doing better than it was, not worse. And yet here we are. And this is just a team that doesn't seem to figure out, be able to figure out how to score, whether or not in the no huddle or late in the second half.
0: Who's the OC for the Chargers these days?
1: That would be Ken Wisenhut. This is his second right. stint okay. with the Chargers. And he, he's caught a lot of flack for the way the offense has performed, which it makes sense. He's the offensive coordinator. He's also the play caller. However, he is trying a lot of different things to jumpstart that offense. Early in the year, they were a very, very pass-heavy team. I think they were attempting passes on almost 70% of their offensive snaps. And this this past week, that was really, really down. Until the fourth quarter, when they were playing from behind, they basically just had to pass. They had, I believe it was a 7 to 12 run to pass ratio on first down, which is a big change for them. They've also been using Austin Eckler, who's probably their, Other than Keenan Allen, their best offensive weapon around Phillip Rivers, they've been using him a lot as a receiver, but they've really started to expand that role. He's not just lining up as a receiver and then motioning back into the backfield or just motioning across the line of scrimmage. They've been running him on actual receiver routes this past week. They ran him on a deep double move that produced their their first touchdown or or the first touchdown of the second half. Uh, he's just a really versatile weapon. It, in a way, kind of like the, uh, the Tariq Cohen, the way that the Bears used him a year ago. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of player that he is, and I think that's why his role, even with Gordon back, is starting to increase again. I think they just understand that with their limitations, they can't also limit the workload for Austin Eckler. And I wouldn't be surprised if, other than Keenan Allen, he ends up having the most targets for the team this week.
0: So when I was looking at the the stats... Earlier to see how Melvin Gordon had been doing since he came back, I see that he's third on in the team as far as rushing is concerned. Uh, as far as yardage, he's only averaging two point three yards uh, a carry, so his impact has been minimal at best in the three games that he's been back. But what really surprised me was ahead of him is uh, uh, Jackson, who's averaging nearly eight yards a carry. Now, is this somebody who's been another one of your injury? victims or is he he taking a step back since gordon has returned or why isn't the guy that's getting eight yards of carry more you know carrying because i see he's a running back not a receiver or anything like that why isn't he more involved in the offense
1: well you guessed correctly justin jackson's another casualty of course to whatever is plaguing the chargers uh he's been out for almost a month now Okay. Uh, co- according to Anthony Lynn, Jackson is making progress in terms of his health and should be back in the not too distant future. We do not know yet if he's going to be available this week. We'll have a better idea after Wednesday's practice when we see, you know, how much he's working, if he's working at all. He's just been on the bikes to the side, the basically the entire month. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back, just because when you see him walking around the locker room, it doesn't appear as though he's walking with a limp. He doesn't have a boot on. But at the same time, you don't know what it's like to run versus to walk for another person. So maybe that's fine when he's just you know walking around doing daily things. But if he's on a you know a practice field, it wouldn't be the same. Sure. Uh, he's someone that they do plan to use even with Gordon and Eckler available once Jackson isn't is indeed ready to go. But right now, I, I don't know what part of the offense he's going to be. Just because I don't even know if he's going to be available.
0: Right. So I mean, it's you know I just saw the imp- eight eight yards a uh, carry, and I see that he's only got three games played so it's like one of two things has happened either he took a back seat when Gordon came back or he's hurt right now and then to hear that he got hurt what is it an ankle or a foot injury
1: if I remember correctly it was an ankle injury Yeah, ankle injury okay
0: yeah those high ankle sprains can be tough especially when you need your ankles to make those cuts uh and things like that so so you talked about Austin Eckler is he one of the few bright spots that the Chargers have on the offensive side of the ball right now
1: yeah, and I would say that he's frankly one of the biggest surprises of the season across the NFL, and sure. we just don't hear much about him because the Chargers generally do not make you know front-page news. In the month of September, so through the first four games of the season, he had, I'm afraid of the exact numbers, but he had more yards and more touchdowns than at any four-game stretch that Melvin Gordon had in his entire career, just to put in perspective how impactful he was. Now, after uh, you know, after the month turned and Melvin Gordon was back in the lineup, that started to shift because they were trying to get Gordon more involved. And Gordon remains the team's starting running back, the guy who's going to probably see most of the carries. Beckler is still playing a lot because of what he can do as a receiver, and again, not just as a pass catcher out of the backfield. They will just line him up as a wide receiver. Because he has that skill set. He, he's extremely versatile. He's not a big guy, but he is pound for pound probably the strongest player on that offense, maybe the strongest player on that team, in all honesty. So he's a really, really useful player. And at some point, with, with the way Gordon is struggling, and it's worth saying here, while Gordon is struggling, it's not just Melvin Gordon. If you look at that entire Russian game in the month of October, they haven't been able to get much of anything going. They've been under 40 yards each of the three games they've played this month, which I believe is the first time that's happened since at least the North Turner era mm. for the Chargers. So we're talking about a, a pretty pronounced issue with the running game. It's not just Gordon. It's not just any one particular player. And, and frankly, just given all the injuries that have happened across the offensive line, I wonder if that's the biggest component to it. When we, we spoke with Anthony Lynn after, I believe it was the Steelers game, and we asked him about it. He said, it's not Melvin Gordon's fault. We need to open up more running lanes for him. And then if you go back and look at the tape, that is a problem for them. They've done an okay job pass protecting against the run, or blocking for the run, rather. They just simply have not been able to create as many opportunities. A lot of times you're seeing, whether it's Gordon or Eckler, they're getting contacted in the backfield. So there's not a whole lot they can do in those situations if they're not even getting to the line of scrimmage.
0: It sounds almost identical uh, to the Bears. They're so-so in pass protection. The offensive line seems to play up or play down to their competition when it comes to the pass blocking like we shut down daniel hunter and uh everson griffin from the vikings did the same thing to uh you know miller and and chubb in week two and but we we play the redskins and and you know a beat up ryan kerrigan is is smoking the bears left and right or 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 this you know the the raiders you know had their way with us uh, up front but this past week maybe we were okay against the the saints and cam jordan got his sacks but other than that mitch stayed pretty clean even though he was doing a wonderful job screwing it up all by himself. But, uh, you know, the the run blocking for the Bears' offensive line has been atrocious uh, this year. We have this young back in David Montgomery we're all excited about. We've got, uh, you know, uh, Tariq Cohen, one of the more exciting running backs in the league who, like you said with the Chargers, either met in the backfield or run into a wall of humanity at the line of scrimmage that they can't seem to get through, which is super frustrating because once you get either one of those guys into the second level, you've got a problem on your hands. We just can't get them there. So that's a similar problem that the Chargers are having right now?
1: Yeah, and – I guess if you're going to draw some distinction between the Bears and the Chargers in this regard, the Bears' offensive line has far more experience. It, it, you can mm. correct me if I'm wrong with the names. It's been a while since i looked at their Jeff chart, but it's Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle yep. and Bobby Massey at right tackle. Correct. So both those guys have been in the NFL for some time, more so with Massey because I know he had the stint in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Well, for the Chargers, at least right now, and th- this could change by Sunday because Russell Okung is working his way back from the pulmonary embolism he he suffered back in June. He started practicing this past week. He may be activated this week. It's still unclear. We'll probably know more on Wednesday. But if he is unable to go again, they're going to roll out Trent Scott at left tackle and Sam Tevy at right tackle. Those guys combined to enter the year with, I believe, one start. (laughs) So most of their experience has come this season. Now, those guys have probably done a better job than at least I expected coming in just because of their inexperience. Trent was an undrafted free agent last year. Tevi was a six-round pick in 2017. And yeah, that's a lot to ask, to, to be starting tackles in the NFL so soon in your career, let alone when you come from those backgrounds. And that's why they really need Russell O'Kung, not even just for pass protection, but also to open up those, those running lanes that we discussed. But... With the bears they do have more experience and if you at least from what i remember watching them last year they didn't have that i mean i know the run game was an issue for them and there were a lot of reasons for them maybe related to jordan howard's fit with the offense and the amount of work they were able to get to rico and a number of other things but the line as a whole had a lot more experience and they were a more cohesive unit this is a unit that has been constantly changing and may change again this week if okong is able to return so for different reasons, they're having struggles, mm-hmm. but it doesn't ultimately matter if the results are the same.
0: It yeah, just makes me feel worse about what's going on in Chicago right now when you put it that way. It's like, yeah, we got a bunch of guys that are kind of being pulled off the street, and we're, we got this mismatch of, of an offensive line that they're putting out there. Meanwhile, the Bears have basically been putting it the same five guys out there for the last two years. We're struggling worse than a unit that's just being patched together uh, in, in, I want to say, San Diego and in, in Los Angeles. So. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make me feel any better about our offensive line woes, especially when it comes to the uh, to the running game. We had we had seven rushing attempts on Sunday against the against the Saints for the whole game. Seven on Walter Payton Bobblehead Day at Soldier Field. So that's like blasphemy as far as the Chicago Bears is uh, concerned. So we're we're not none too happy with what's going on uh, with the running game. So well, um, if I,
1: if I if I read the quote correctly. That's something that is probably not going to repeat itself this week, and maybe not again in the future, because Matt Nagy seems to be convinced that they are going to run the ball more. I, I I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, "I'm not stupid, or I'm not an idiot. Not an idiot. We need yeah. to run more." Now, that particular quote, let's just say, got dunked on on social media, especially from people who yes. are very familiar with the 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 relative efficiency of passing versus running. Mm-hmm. And I think, generally speaking, that's fair. But when the balance is so skewed towards one side or the other, especially if it's so skewed towards the pass and the opposing defense already knows what type of play you're going to run. And when you're dealing with the limitations of a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, you do in fact have to, just for purposes of keeping the defense honest, mix in some of those runs, and frankly mix in a lot more play action. And that's something that I'm surprised we have not seen more from the Bears, given that Nagy comes from Kansas City and play action and misdirection is such a big part of what that offense does.
0: 100 yeah i agree 100% and and you're absolutely right with with Mitch and his limitations and trying to keep the defense honest you'd want to sprinkle some of that uh in there just to you know just to mix it up a little bit uh, with the with the defense it just it's it's frustrating to watch especially like you said when it's skewed so heavy it was 54 to 7 pass to run uh, on Sunday against the uh against the Saints and what made it even more frustrating was that this was happening up until the Saints scored their opening touch a touchdown in the opening drive in the third quarter, it was a one score game throughout the entire first half and we only ran the ball five times. Which means we only ran the ball twice in the second half. That's that's unacceptable for any NFL franchise, let alone one that was celebrating one of the greatest running backs of all time this past Sunday. So yeah, it, it is it is definitely frustrating and, and you know, you said that Nagy, you from what you hear from Nagy it doesn't sound like it sounds like we're gonna be running the ball. That's how he sounded last week going into New Orleans because we didn't run the ball very well or at all against the, the 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 Raiders the week before or two weeks before in the bye week, and we ran seven times for an entire football game. So uh, talk is cheap with Nagy; it's it's going to come down to action and how they actually if they actually do get around to uh, running the ball and taking that segue to your to your defense once again. Um, how are they against the run? I mean, are we actually going to get a chance to maybe break one for three or four whole yards or are they stingy against the run?
1: Well, when they were healthy, they had some pretty big issues against the run, mostly just because of poor tackling. Like Mm -hmm. the defense was in position many times. And this was especially true this past week when on multiple occasions, they had a play bundled up for maybe like a, like a small gain, a two or three year gain. Then one missed tackle turns into something much longer. And I I don't see that changing that much against the Bears, simply because they just don't have the personnel for it right now. I I think they are going to get Melvin Ingram back this week, so that's two starting defensive ends as opposed to one. Sure. But at least right now, based on the fact that they added Sylvester Williams, I I wonder if Justin Jackson and Melvin, uh, or sorry, uh, Brandon uh, Mebane, are just not going to be available. And then you're talking about the center of your defense, because at middle linebacker Denzel Perryman, who who is— Played the run very well over the course of his career has been dealing with an ankle injury for a while and it has affected him, especially in the past more, but it has affected him against the run, too. So if there are big holes down the middle. There's nothing stopping Nagy from just calling those um those split zone runs that he loves and just trying to run it down the Chargers throats. So, and, and then if you make it to the second level, I mean, if, if they get past Ray Sean Jenkins, there's a good chance that that play going for 20 or more simply because they don't have anyone in that secondary right now, at least not in terms of the middle of the defense, that is a reliable tackler. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times that Jenkins has missed tackles, it's because he's covering up for mistakes of his teammates. You know, Roderick Teamer, because he's a rookie, is not always in the position he's supposed to be. And that, you know, in order to keep the, uh, bad play from becoming a touchdown. That sometimes means that Rayshon Jenkins has to himself move out of position. And then when you have multiple players out of position, that's when you see the worst things if if a tackle is missed. So I, I wouldn't expect the chargers to have a great time against the bears versus the run, which is why I tend to believe that Nagy is going to run it more, at least more than seven times. Sure. But at the same time, this might also be reflective of the bears running backs because David Montgomery was a player that did a great job at Iowa state Terms of breaking tackles, but what he didn't yeah. do super well for a college player was avoiding tackles, and that tends to be something where if you don't do it well at the college level, you're not going to do it well the NFL, and that tends to be a more predictive trait. Sure. So, you, I, and I know in the preseason he had a couple of really really nice plays. I know he had that one cutback or or juke move. I want to say it was like the second uh, week of the preseason that you know set the you know NFL Twitter ablaze, and he definitely has that potential. But the way he runs, it, it almost looks like he's trying to initiate contact or find players to hit. And that is a problem in the NFL. I mean, these are, generally speaking, much bigger and better players, and it's a lot harder to be an efficient runner with that style. Sure. So when you have one, your I would say your main running back, or at least the guy you expect to finish the season with the most carries, running that way, Tariq Cohen, who's not a traditional running back just because of his build, and Mike Davis, who is – technically good at more than one thing, but not really all that good at anything in particular. Hmm. That's not an ideal setup when you also have issues across the offensive line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a recipe for disaster as far as the running games uh, concerned uh, this year. So yeah, that's certainly well, well put uh, in that, in that regard. So, so do you guys run a four two, five? Is that how it works? So you said you have, you usually like to put three safeties. Has that been, Altered with the loss of, of Derwin James to a more traditional 4-3? Or are they running the 4-2-5 now?
1: So they are running a variant of, not with the Seahawks defense as you see it today, but the Seahawks defense as you saw it during those peak years, sure. 2012 through 2014. So it, it's more of a 4-3 under. At least that's the way that Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, would consider it. Uh, you do tend to see, because of their sub-packages, a lot of what it, is it a facto five-man front, or in other cases, a facto three-man front? So it kind of shifts depending on the situation. It, it is versatile in that regard. When they have everybody healthy, it's a very difficult defense to defend because they sort of have this illusion of complexity where the defense is not actually doing all that many different things. You know, It'll be a lot of cover one and cover three. But when they don't have the players, and right now they just don't because of all those injuries— they have to play it a lot more straightforward. And that's when they've gotten into trouble, in addition to all those other issues that we discussed. So the way that the that the Chargers are probably going to play the Bears this week is going to be a lot closer to maybe like a 4-2-5 as, as you described it, simply because they're, they're have a lot they have a lot of issues in linebacker. They have issues at safety. But they are starting to get some of those edge rushers back. Uh, Joey Bosa has been playing extremely well. Melvin Ingram, as we discussed earlier, is probably going to be back this week. And the guy who's filled in for Ingram <clears throat> the past two or three weeks has been the second-year player, former second-round pick, uh, Chenna Nwosu. And he has really come on. He's, he's been one of the bright spots for that defense, and there really aren't all, all that many. Uh, in fact, he probably would have had a huge game last week if not for the fact that Joey Bosa himself beat Nuoso for some sacks in mm. one particular play. Bosa just sacked Tannehill, but had Bosa not been there uh, like a half second later, it probably would have been a strip sack for Nwosu. So he's really creating some problems. Now, when Ingram's back, it's going to be interesting to see how they use them all. My assumption is that because of just Nuoso's versatility, he's probably going to play a little more of that Sam linebacker, mm-hmm. and you're going to see Ingram as more of the uh, the strong side, and then Bosa as the weak side, and try to get those guys all on the field at the same time. So you might be able to see some more creative stuff in that regard, if they're all there, because when you have two good pass rushers on the same side, it allows you to do things like run stunts or drop someone surprisingly into coverage. just make things a little more difficult for the offense. If Ingram is not there and who also has to play defensive end, he'll do a decent job of it. But it it decreases the amount of things that they can do. And then again, it's going to be a very straightforward defensive look. And even for a quarterback struggling like Trubisky, that is going to be a huge asset for him.
0: Sure, sure. So, I mean, I don't know what to make of it because I don't know what our offensive line uh, is going to do um everyone was looking forward to this game against the against the saints to see how our offensive line could improve now that the you know trying to play through injuries kyle long is no longer in the lineup but we only ran the ball seven times it's not a large enough sample size to see how effective we would be against anybody let alone who we just played uh in a great defense against the in the saints so it's like I, as 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 optimistic as i feel with what you're saying i'm i'm not fully optimistic because of how they performed and or the the lack of attempts that they've made uh running the football you know but with the you know with Joey bosa coming after us and maybe possibly ingram as well uh and uh what was his name again the second round pick
1: Chena nuosa
0: nuosa okay it,
1: it, it's it's spelled like Uchenna, but the u is silent uh-huh in case I guess it comes up for you on Sunday,
0: well, we've got a few. We got a, a name like that on ours, uh, Yoel E A Bouniwe. Uh They just call him Iggy, just to make it simple. So, for number forty-five, one of our inside uh, linebackers. Just in case that comes up for you. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see how the Bears are going to a respond to what was the worst drubbing of this era, and for a while actually, and you know to see if they'll be able to take advantage of what on paper is a favorable matchup for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a very good time to catch the Chargers. And most of the season has admittedly been a good time to catch the Chargers for other teams. But right now, I mean, they have really hit their nadir right now. Now, In the locker room, the mood is not as bad as you'd probably imagine. I've been in some downtrodden locker rooms. This isn't that. They, They still believe that they can compete. And on some level, I think they're right because... Now, granted, a lot of things would have to go their way, but they have not lost a single game this season by more than one score. Their biggest margin of defeat is seven points. Now, a little bit of that is cloak and daggers. There were some games where they were effectively out of it and just happened to score within the last minute. Right. But in most of these losses, I mean, they really were in it until the final moments. Uh, this past week against Tennessee, as you know, much of the nation saw, they fumbled away a golden opportunity to go ahead, literally at the goal line. Mm -hmm. So they're not far off in that regard. And if they're able to pick up some wins at a time when the Raiders might be stalling themselves and with Patrick Mahomes unavailable for the Chiefs, there is some hope there. Now, they've effectively eliminated all of their wiggle room. And even though they wouldn't be mathematically eliminated with another loss, is very difficult to see them, at least with a loss in the AFC. I I think that would probably end any realistic hope that they have. Mm -hmm. But you know, a road trip to Chicago is daunting for most teams and the Chargers are certainly no exception, but the players have said on the record that they don't mind going on the road because it's actually a more comfortable environment for them because of everything that's happened at their stadium. Like I've been, I've been to quite a few chargers games and it is a more, uh, opponent heavy fan base than you will see in most places. Mm -hmm. But I had never seen anything like the Steelers when they came to LA two weeks ago. It was—I'm going to lowball it at 75% Steelers fans. Uh, That's that's again a conservative estimation, and the players—you know—they understand that you know the team can't control who is buying the tickets, but they took issue with the fact that the in-stadium PA was playing at one point "Renegade," which is a a Steelers song that they play at Heinz Field. It was a very strange thing. A, a lot of us didn't understand it either. So, going on the road where there's like they they don't even have to deal with that narrative. They don't have to deal with those questions. They can just essentially just be the visiting team trying to play their best football. It actually simplifies it for them. At least that's the way that they see it. So so that's an advantage. That's not in particular against the Bears. Just being on the road anywhere, and not that again. It's not a good time to catch Chicago. The defense is still playing at a fairly high level, but the offense is going through let's just say a period of transition right now. And if Gus Bradley can scheme up just enough with the players that he still has, there might be an opportunity if he is able to create some turnovers and the offense more importantly can avoid them. Cause that's been such a big issue for them. They've had uh, double digit or not double, digit excuse me, uh, two or more first half turnovers, uh, the two of the three games this month. And there's, it's very difficult to win a game in that circumstance, especially when you're dealing with all the other issues like the chargers are, but if they can avoid the mistakes on their end and force the Bears offense into a few, it's not gonna be easy, but at least it gives them a chance.
0: Yes, it absolutely will, especially if you can if you if your defense can can force those turnovers on the Bears and then do something with them. If they can put points on the board just like the Saints did, you blink your eye and the Bears are in a nine-nothing hole because of the block punt for the safety and then the the fumble on the ensuing drive that gave the Saints the ball first and ten at the Chicago 24. Five six plays later, it's nine to nothing. And you know, before anybody's beers gotten warm, we're already down two scores. So it was, if something like that can happen, then what we saw was, you know, I don't know how ne- how patient Nagy planned on being with the run, but being behind like that, needing to jumpstart the offense, I think probably contributed to him abandoning the run the way that he did. Uh, in the first half, and we just saw how it kind of went off the rails uh, throughout the football game. And and so you're saying maybe vice versa, if if the Bears were able to force a turnover, put an early touchdown on the board, the Chargers aren't really built to play from behind?
1: I guess that's a good way of putting it. it. Essentially, both these teams have this in common. Yeah. They can be their own worst enemy. Oh, for sure. Especially on offense. And the Chargers have been their own worst enemy in a way that I haven't previously seen them this month, it really has been like the, the moment it became October, it's like all these new issues popped up for that Chargers offense that were not previously there. There were already issues. So if the Chargers can break some of those negative trends and that that's the one thing that I think is possible for that offense, because when you have a quarterback of the caliber of Philip Rivers and he has not played well this season, but. He doesn't seem physically different than he than he did last year or any other time that I've seen him. He's still one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. And we've seen this with other veteran quarterbacks. Sometimes they just go through these patches and then they figure it out. And that's something that can happen with Philip Rivers. And if it does happen, they do have the ability to beat almost anybody just because of the impact of any franchise-level quarterback. If it happens this week against the Bears and continues down the line for them, that could be huge. Alternatively... They could lose this week against the Bears. They then come back home for what is effectively a road game against the Packers, which might be as much uh, visiting fans, if not more so than with the Steelers. And then after that, they have to go on the road for a Thursday night game against the Raiders. So there's a real possibility that within the next three weeks, the Chargers season is over and they know that too. So on the one hand, that could make them extremely desperate and they could do a lot of things outside of what their talent would suggest and we've seen that with other teams with their backs against the wall alternatively if it's, if this game starts poorly they might just fold i haven't seen quitting them thus far this year but there is a breaking point for each and every team and we're not far away from that with the chargers
0: any concern over the start time for this week's game which would be tantamount to a 10 a.m start for a west coast team usually when they travel out to the east they get a three o'clock start or you know more times than not but Coming to Chicago, that's a noon kickoff here in the Midwest, which would be a 10 a.m. start for the for the Chargers. Any concern over how, you know, this one of those because I know those West Coast teams don't look forward to a to a noon kickoff uh, in, in the Midwest or on the East Coast.
1: It is something that has been a factor for a while, though, I think if you look at the numbers since about 2015, And maybe just it's because of the way that those West Coast teams have handled those trips. The impact of the early start times has been lessened. It's still a thing, but it's not to the same degree that it was when, for example, the Seahawks had to play a 10 a.m. game or an early uh, start game in the playoffs against the Panthers and and effectively didn't appear to show up until the second half. I don't think that will be the case here. If the Chargers play poorly, it's because the Chargers are playing poorly. It's not going to be because of that start time.
0: Right. And. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel for the for the Chargers? I mean, you just mentioned what they're up against over the next few weeks. Are they going to start getting guys back so they can start to reload for the second half of of the year or is this the uh or is this the horse that they're they're riding in on right now?
1: Well, they would again, they would need a lot of outside help, but mm-hmm. they have gotten a little bit of it with Mahomes injury and the Raiders dropping uh game against the Packers this past week. Right. They essentially need to win all of the remaining AFC games and certainly almost all, if not literally all of their divisional games and drop at most one or two of the rest of the schedule. And that's a tall task for any team, sure. especially one as injured as them. But if they're able to, let's say, pull a win out this week maybe catch green Bay sleeping because that's a game that I would imagine, especially coming off of the Raiders game and this upcoming Sunday night game against the chiefs could be one that they are just not as focused on. Cause I believe they have the Panthers the following week. They're able to pull out two wins when no one's expecting it. Then go into the short week and get Oakland. And I mean, that's gonna be as difficult for Oakland as it is for the chargers pull a game out there. Then suddenly things look a lot different. Cause then they get not just the mini by that you normally get off a Thursday night game, but their next matchup is against the chiefs in Mexico city on a Monday. So you get that long break and that's maybe when you start seeing some talk about some of the renter players getting back. I think that's probably too early for Derwin James, probably be another two to three weeks after that before it's a real discussion, but they basically need to hold on in the divisional race. I don't think they're going to really have a chance at a wild card unless things really, uh, backslide in the conference. They need to win that division, which again, very difficult to do with the chiefs there. But if they figure things out, and especially if Patrick Mahomes is not back in time for that game, it gives them a chance. It's not a great chance, but it's better than maybe the outlook appears from the outside right now.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, here on on the Chicago side, I'm sure uh, that you're aware uh, that just about—I mean, it, it's funny considering this is a team that's that you know, or a fan base, I should say, that just getting is still kind of getting over the Jay Cutler. Era, And I didn't think there would ever be a more polarizing figure amongst the fan base than Jay Cutler until true until Trubisky started playing the way he has uh, this year. I mean, the fan base is absolutely divided over him. If he's the guy that we should stick with, should we make a trade? And in all the little fantasy uh, columns and people that are talking about trade partners and one for some reason, Philip Rivers name has come up this week about being a trade trade bait for the bears. Is there any rumor of that on the San Diego side, or is that just us as bear fans conjuring up something to talk about or, or fantasize about when when we don't want to have Mitch as our quarterback?
1: It would be the biggest surprise to me, at least if the chargers (laughs) were to deal rivers and on top of that. So rivers, like a lot of quarterbacks that have reached his age, have a lot more agency in these kind of discussions. Sure. And he's going to be a free agent this this, uh, this upcoming offseason. And it would not shock me if he just said, I'm not going to report to any team that you trade me to unless it's one that I want to go to. And it's not even a reflection of what the Bears do or don't have. Rivers has a, I think it's well-documented, a large family yeah. still in San Diego. And I have a hard time believing that he would want to uproot that family even if it was for an opportunity to play for a team that, you know, even though the Bears have obviously had a disappointing season relative to expectations, they're still a very talented team, and with a quarterback like Rivers, their fortunes could transform overnight. But right. I don't think that he would be willing to uproot his family like that. I like think the only two places that he w- really wants to play are where he currently is with the Los Angeles Chargers, or possibly the Nashville t- or the Nashville, excuse me, the uh, the Tennessee Titans, because Nashville is not too far away from where he grew up in decatur alabama and maybe that's enough of a of an impetus that he would be willing to move the family there but that's something that wouldn't i would imagine would happen until the offseason so if, so in terms of the bears and their quarterback situation in general there's really nothing that they can do in season that would actually make no. sense for them if trubisky continues to play this way they're just gonna have to accept that they made a mistake with the pick and move on. And they'll yeah. they will ha- they will have some options this offseason, but those options are not available right now. You know, maybe Cam Newton is gonna be available because the the Panthers decide that whether it's Kyle Allen continues to play well or simply they don't believe that Newton can consistently play at the level that he has in the past. Maybe maybe that's something that becomes available. Maybe, you know, if, if you believe Adam Schefter and, and his let's just say his uh his his hinting During the Monday night game earlier this week, maybe Tom Brady will actually be available to another team. I don't think that that's ultimately going to happen, but it's weird that Schefter put it out there. So you at least have to provide provide some credence that you may not have before. And there's other guys, too. I mean, Andy Dalton's not going to excite anybody, but he's the kind of quarterback who I think is reflective of his surroundings. When the team is bad, as it is right now in Cincinnati, he's a bad quarterback. When he's surrounded by decent talent, decent protection and especially a decent running game, he can be a an effective quarterback. And, you know, that's not going to excite anyone, but effective quarterback plays a lot better than what Trubisky has shown this year. And all of those guys could potentially be options this upcoming offseason. That's when I think the Bears will make a move if they are, in fact, going to do so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's that's why I've stayed mostly silent on social media when it comes to the quarterback situation because, because of the Khalil Mack trade, we don't really have any draft capital capital to play with uh, or anything like that. And anybody worth getting is going to cost us what we don't have. And so we're just going to have to ride with Mitch or hope that somebody comes off the waiver wire. People are talking about maybe we should give Kaepernick a try. I kind of really wish people would let that one go, but uh, you know, it is what it is with that, that whole thing. He's been out of the league three years, got nothing to do with his political affiliations or anything like that. He's just been away from the game for too long. I'd, you know, I, I just don't want to have anything to do with that. And uh,
1: I, I guess my, my counterpoint would be, did you see the Mitch Trubisky RPO breakdown that <laughs> made its way around social media earlier this week?
0: I Yeah, I've seen several things uh, in the you know, I'd I definitely like to keep my my ear to the ground with with those kind of things. It's it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. He's playing horribly. Uh, right it is.
1: And, and, I th- and I think plays like that illustrate why even though the offense has been atrocious for Chicago I don't think it's ultimately all that reflective of Nagy because he is trying to do things to simplify life for his quarterback Mm -hmm. an RPO like that is essentially a high a high low read post snap and just a box count pre-snap virtually any quarterback who's been in the NFL for five minutes should be able to handle that and Trubisky managed to not only screw up that part of it. But then also, even though he had options to the left, which is not the way the play is designed to ultimately go, he didn't go there either. He just ended up taking the sack. And maybe by the time he finally decided who was open, that was the right move because the offensive line had moved so far downfield that it would have probably just been a penalty had he even tried. Yeah. But all that illustrates the problem. He is so in his head. And it's a lot of the things that should be really easy in the offense. things that were really easy in that offense as recently as 12 months ago are just really difficult for him right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's actually a sign that under different circumstances, he could be effective again, because, you know, even though he wasn't a great quarterback last year, he was still a guy who was capable of moving the offense. Yeah. And I I think I can't remember who, who provided the stat, but he has it run for a first down since literally the first, first down the bears produced this year, which was against the Packers. And, that sounds crazy for a quarterback as mobile as Trubisky and considering what he did last year where when plays did break down, which they will for any offense, doesn't matter how well designed or how talented they are, a mobile quarterback like Trubisky is able to take advantage. You know, If the if, the, if the play is developing down the field and nobody's open, well, that probably means there's a, not, a nice wide open space for him to run. Yeah. And he just hasn't done that. And maybe that's reflective of other things. You know, He had the shoulder injury. That's not going to affect his throwing, but it might affect his willingness to take a hit if he does run. And if you take away his legs for one reason or another and he's this indecisive, it's going to be hard for him to succeed regardless of who's calling the play. So if Trubisky continues down this road, I think that the Bears are just going to have to move on. But I don't think that they have the wrong guy running that offense. I still think very highly of Nagy. I think a lot of the things that he does just, at least in theory, should make life very easy for whoever's back there.
0: I agree. And and I was only critical of Nagy's play selection not so much the plays that he's calling, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, like when you talk, you and I talked earlier, the the, the ratio fifty four to seven. That's what almost eight to one as far as pass to run uh, and things like that. When your quarterback is struggling the way that he is, maybe try to take a little bit of pressure and and try to force it with the run uh, a little bit more or, or something. You know, and like you said, maybe you know use the run to try to maybe play get some play action uh, going or whatever. He just seems kind of stubborn in the fact that. You know, like when I heard his his comments in in the presser after the game, he was like, Yeah, we ran the ball for zero, one and two and so we were moving the ball better, so I'll throw it sixty times a game if I have to under those circumstances. And on one hand I sense his frustration and I get where he's coming from. On the other hand, that's not a recipe for victory in at any level of football, let alone in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and that's where I I go back as well to play action, because there is not a quarterback in the league anywhere who is not better off play action than with a typical drop back. And this is something that has become a very popular idea across the NFL, but frankly, especially in the NFC North. Like, I'm sure at some point you saw at least highlights of that Packers Raiders game. yeah. That was their highest play action usage of the season. I'm not saying that's the only reason that Rodgers went for six touchdowns and a perfect passer rating, but it definitely helped. Now, you look at Minnesota, and they have kind of done that as well, and frankly, even to a greater degree. And, And that's probably because Gary Kubiak, he's not calling the plays there, but he's part of that offensive staff. When you have play action, it makes life really, really easy. If you look at those two teams in particular, and also, frankly, Detroit, I think they're all in the top 12 of the NFL in terms of play action rate. Mm -hmm. and all of those offenses are, at least right now, either producing at a very high level full stop or above expectation, and that's where I would couch the Lions. They're not a great offense, but much better than I thought they would be going into the year. Then you look at the Bears, who I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Actually, I'll, I'll put it this way. Where would you guess the Bears rank in terms of play action usage? 31st. You're not far off. They are... 27th in the NFL in play action usage. That is something that's actually really surprising coming from Nagy because Kansas City and a lot of the other similar offenses in the league, you look at Philly as well, they have very high play action usage and it makes sense. Play action is really difficult to defend when it's done correctly, but the Bears are all the way down at 18%. That's something that would actually make a lot of sense for Trubisky, not just just because it makes any quarterback better, but off play action, especially off those bootlegs and slides, Quarterbacks really just don't read the defense until after about one and a half, two seconds into the play. And that might actually simplify things for Trubisky. If he's not looking at the whole defense, he just gets a snapshot right at the end. It might be, okay, is he there or is he not? And that might be something that can get him back on track. So I wouldn't be surprised given where Nagy comes from and how smart I think he is as a coach. That's something you see increase over the course of the season. It may even start this week.
0: I hope so, man. I really do. And I I hope that the Bears are able to take advantage of the shortcomings that you've described for us with the Charger uh, defense and, and, you know, maybe possibly uh, being a a get back game for us as far as maybe getting our running game going at least a little bit, you know, to try to get somebody to rush for a whopping 50 yards or something on Sunday would be a milestone uh, for us so far. Uh, uh it would be a milestone year.
1: for the chargers as well like they literally <laughs> have not been able to cross the 40 rushing yard barrier since september so wow. you know first one of 50 rushing yards might win that's insane
0: but you know it, like you mentioned trubisky not using his his feet and and yeah it's a shoulder injury but he it also seemed like his running kind of got curbed a bit last year because he got hurt uh he hurt his throwing shoulder uh, last year against the uh, the Vikings and he, I don't remember him running as much after he came back from that injury uh, as well so you know I think maybe that could be part of it I've, I've also kind of toyed with the idea that Nagy wants him to be more of a pocket passer you know stay in the pocket find the receiver throw the football as opposed to just giving up on the play and, and using your feet uh, kind of thing Now, I don't think Nagy would be that that you know, stubborn about it or, you know, rigid about, you know, him not running or anything or encouraging him not to run. But I, you know, it's definitely something that I think that Mitch himself is holding himself back from doing what came naturally to him earlier in his career.
1: Yeah. And again, if he has a shoulder injury, like the one that he does, it makes sense that he may not want to take on that contact. You know, if it's wide open, he can run out of bounds. That's a different situation than if he knows he's gonna have to slide and maybe take a hit because, the worst thing for him, both in the context of 2019 and long term, be for him to develop a recurring so- shoulder injury. And again, you know, it's not his throwing shoulder, but the way he has been successful is to run at least a certain amount. So you want to be able to take those hits. You want to feel fully comfortable when that happens. And that could just be a reason that he's not playing the way that he did in 2018.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's affecting his confidence. He doesn't really look like the same guy out there. Uh, either, And I'm not really sure what that's about. If it is, you know, the the, the lack of confidence from his injuries or just the fact that it, things are not going well and it seems to snowball as the game goes along uh, kind of thing. He just he doesn't seem to also be in the same mental frame. Uh, that he was a year ago where he was progressing he he had his ups and downs last year but he he was definitely a better quarterback at the end of the season than he was at the start of it and when we got to the start here it seemed like we had gone backwards instead of forward like all of training camp all we heard was he's not learning the offense he's running it he's not level he's not 101 level anymore he's 202 everything has progressed and then we finally get him out there on the field and we're back to zero again with this kid And, and it seems like we're starting over once again, and like he's still learning it, like he doesn't know uh, the offense, and that's what's been frustrating to watch uh, as a fan to hear about all the promises of where the progress and things like that, and to to see what the product has been on the field. It's been maddening to watch uh, in, in just the first five six games so far this year.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, that it, it, it's not as simple as saying you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance to win, yeah. because the Bears and other teams at times have shown that, if, if maybe not for long periods of time, but in the context of an individual season, you can put it together. The problem is that it's really hard to maintain that. We, we saw that a few years ago with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, mm. Their defense was so good, and they did just enough well in offense that they were able to take the Patriots to the brink in the AFC title game. But then they haven't looked the same sense, whether it was with Bortles, a quarterback or somebody else. That's right now what the Bears look like. If the best version of Trubisky was the one that we saw in 2018, and he's not going to even be that guy again. Well, the defense was just naturally going to regress because of any number of reasons. The, the lack of entries in 2018 versus now, simply the general fluctuations you get with a defense in any given year, it was going to be hard for them to repeat that. And then you also look at that division getting more competitive. They can't afford for Trubisky to be like this the rest of the way, not even just in 2019, but down the road, because as you pointed out, they don't have the resources to go find somebody else. at least not a high level prospect. Yeah. And even hypothetically, if they did, let's say that somehow they were able to get the number one overall pick this year, just drop it in their lap. This is not a team that's really built to, or built around the timeline of a rookie quarterback, because even if you get whoever is the best uh, quarterback in this upcoming draft class, chances are that guy's going to need some time before he's able to consistently help a team win. This is a team that is built to win right now, yeah. which is why I think ultimately the best move, especially considering their limited resources, is to go out this upcoming off season, get someone like Dalton, maybe someone like Nunez if he's available, someone like that who... You know, they're not great options, or at least in the case of Dalton is not a great option, but they are capable of winning right now. And they don't have to be MVP caliber quarterbacks with that infrastructure. I mean, the defense for the Bears, I think right now is the six by DVOA, somewhere around there. It's still a very, very good unit, even if it's not exactly what it was in 2018. That's good enough to win a title if your offense is competent. And right now, the Bears offense just isn't because of the quarterback play, but someone who's at least OK or at least a, a competent veteran. Should be able to bring that up to a point where, if everything else stays the same, the Bears could be back to being in the playoff picture and maybe even the Super Bowl picture in 2020.
0: Agreed, you know, and and you're absolutely right. like, you know, last year's defense and output was going to be difficult to, to, to repeat. Uh, and everything the the luck that we had with injuries uh, last year was was going to be difficult to repeat. But then, you know, even though the 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 offense wasn't exactly lighting up the scoreboard week in and week out last year they were maintaining drives they were keeping the defense off the field uh, at times and that's what's increased more than anything this year is that the defense has been on the field a lot more than it was a year ago which is why you're seeing uh, you know teams i mean with the raiders they just had uh, you know the right scheme to be able to run on us from the beginning but you know it, we had similar rushing output this week against the against the saints but that got more and more over time because time of possession kept the the defense on the field for more than two-thirds of of the game and when that happens they're going to wear down that's exactly what happened and that's where the defense has been faltering basically they're just getting tired we almost lost that game against denver for the exact same reason the offense couldn't stay on the field we kept giving it back the defense had to try to get the ball back and they were wearing down uh, under the circumstances so yeah that's one of the reasons that statistically there's still a, a a an elite level defense and i believe their output could be the same as it was a year ago if our offense could help us out and keep us off the field from time to time
1: well to bring this back to sunday's game and the chargers which i have not i think i don't think we've discussed now in at least 10 minutes so the chargers (laughs) and again they've, they've done very well under the circumstances considering all the players that they don't have but they rank 27th by dvoa overall 28th against the pass 24th against the run so wow That's essentially saying that opposing offenses should be able to have their way with the Chargers regardless of how they want to attack them. And again, and that's including games where they had their entire starting defensive line, which I would be extremely surprised if they had their entire starting defensive line this upcoming Sunday. So the Bears should be able to at least do better than they have the last few weeks on the ground. And look, if Trubisky is going to have a breakout performance, I don't see one better on the schedule for the Bears than this one versus the Chargers because if again... All of their deficiencies in the passing game, the the missed tackles. This should be a situation where even if Trubisky's is not putting up crazy numbers, and I don't think that's likely to happen, he should, if if he's not in his own head, if, if Nagy calls the right game, should be able to at least move the ball efficiently against the Chargers.
0: So, how do you see the game uh, coming out? Right now, the line is four, the Bears by four, and the over under is is forty. So, what do you what do you are you? How, Are you a betting man? Would you take those odds? Would you go higher? Would you go lower?
1: Well, I will say I have incorrectly predicted every Chargers game this season, (laughs) save for this past week against Tennessee, the Miami game, and the Colts game. So, all of those caveats on the table. I think this is a game the Bears, certainly a game the Bears should win. I think it's one that they will. This is... In terms of what the Bears do well right now, it, it's really hard for the Chargers to match up against. I, I think even if Okung is back in the lineup, they're going to have a hard time running the ball against that Bears defense. And this is a team that, like as we were discussing with the Bears, doesn't use play action nearly as much as it should because... Frankly, with the way that they have had trouble uh, protecting Rivers for the majority of the season, they've gotten a little better lately, but it's still not an area of strength. Using play action would be a very good way to slow down that pass rush and open things up down the field because they've had trouble the last few weeks getting Keenan Allen open. They've had to rely on a lot of Hunter Henry since he's come back, a lot of Austin Eckler. Something I think they'll do a lot again this week, but play action could be a way of unlocking Allen again, who prior to October was leading the NFL in receiving yards and was frankly the most unguardable receiver in the NFL at that point in time and suddenly became the most guardable receiver because of all the things that the Chargers are struggling with. So if the Chargers produce the right game plan, maybe it's a little closer than we expect because again, they haven't lost a single game this year by more than a touchdown, but it's still a game I think that the Bears will probably win.
0: All right. I'll go with that. That's, uh, yeah. I, well, I hope you're right. I absolutely hope you're right, but I believe that a few times, and we've lost half of our games uh, uh, so far, so including the last two that I felt pretty good about uh, going into and, and came away extremely uh, disappointed. So hopefully the Bears will be able to to get it together and and take advantage of the situation against the team that uh, isn't at full strength right now, is struggling some areas, and and are struggling in areas where we could use help right now. Like you're struggling against the run, maybe and the Bears need to get their running game going. Hopefully, this can be the game where they get that going and they can build on that, especially with a big game against the Eagles next Sunday looming in the uh, looming in the horizon. Jason, uh, where can we keep up with you uh, in in the uh, on social media, and where can we find your work online?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at buy underscore JBH. You can find me on sportsillustrated.com or SI.com, excuse me. Uh, You can find my work also on SB Nation, on NFL.com. I I will warn your listeners that a lot of that content will be about the Packers as it's one of my other areas of coverage. Not as much as as it is with the Chargers where where I'm covering them full time, but I will produce some Packers content. However, that does mean that, you know, come the the end of the season when – the Bears and Packers play again, uh, we might be able to hook up again.
0: Want to thank our guest, Jason Hirshhorn from SI.com and NFL.com and SB Nation. And you heard all the plays he just Uh, rattled off for us uh, there Uh, had a fun uh, time uh, talking to him uh, about the uh, about the Bears and the Chargers and the impending matchup and uh, you know I did feel a little bit better about the game going into it after talking uh, to him Uh, unfortunately any time that I do uh, lately (laughs) that has not boded well uh, for the Bears the following Sunday so hopefully that will uh, be a trend that will break itself uh, when the Bears and the Chargers get together uh, this weekend. So a uh, an interesting idea that he brought forth there at the very end uh, because he does do a lot of Packers uh, content. Uh, we may see him again uh, week 15 when, uh, when we get together with our good friend Evan Western from Acme Packing Company. Maybe uh, Jason will get in on the conversation as well. Uh, at the very least, we know we have a backup in case uh, Evan has another uh, – unfortunate thing come up uh like he did previous to week one. So uh either way, we're covered on Packers uh guests, uh, God forbid. So uh anyway, just real quick, I mean we talked about it plenty uh during the uh during the interview with uh Jason about what it is the Bears uh you know where their weaknesses are and what they need to to do. But it's been an interesting week. Uh there's been so much talk about moving on from Mitch and trade partners for different quarterbacks and, and, and things like that uh, you know, some of the new names being thrown around or Cam Newton and Marcus Mariota uh, you know, you heard me mention, I think during the interview about Phillip rivers being mentioned in the same breath with the bears now. And uh, uh, you know, it's just, that's one of those reasons that Mitch needs to step up to put to bed conversations like this to 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 at least to quiet them down uh for a while so he can just play football and, and not have to be looking over his shoulder to see if the bears are going to mortgage their future to bring nick Foles in from the jaguars or you know break the bank trying to fit cam newton's salary under the cap and uh you know having to restructure half a dozen guys to be able to make the room for something like that financially we can't afford cam newton right now as interesting as an idea as it is for cam to have a new you know a change of scenery and you know uh bring a little something extra to the you know the experience and and all that kind of stuff to the offense it doesn't make any sense we don't have the assets and we don't have the money to do to do it so it's just there's no point in, in having i mean it's fun to have the conversation but it's it's fruitless to do so but uh you know the 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 other thing that's been interesting is is watching, uh, like following Owen Kreutz and and uh, thing and guys like that on on Twitter, uh, talking to, we're showing clips about the of the running game and 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 things like that and and basically how uh, it looks like you know basically that the Bears are just trying to do too much on the running game and I, I get this feeling that the running game has kind of been designed to pop you know that the the there's a lot of misdirections there's motion and stuff going on that basically if the if the the plays seem to be designed now this is i'm not a, i've got a great mind for the game but i'm not really much of an x and o's uh kind of guy i don't really sit down and watch film and, and and uh things like that so sometimes when our guests are talking about shadow coverages and you know uh cover zero versus cover six, and you know things like that. I have very basic knowledge of of x's and o's it's It's just more about you know I have a good mind for the game, and I'm sure I could learn that stuff if I had the time to sit down and uh and do so, but with my very rudimentary knowledge of the game, sitting there watching film and watching things uh unfold it it really looks like the running plays that the bears run are designed that if the running back makes it through the line of scrimmage, he's off to the races. It doesn't look like like Nagy uh, or Helfridge, whoever is running the offense, or at least who's designed our running scheme, uh, at least, has designed things for a running play to pick up four yards, or for a running play to get three yards, or something to... Get the ball moving. Get the chains going. Get, you know anything. It, it just seems like every running and man. It also kind of speaks as to why Nagy is so impatient with the running game. You know, you heard him in his conference in his uh, presser on this past Sunday. Those comments that made me nuts. That I went on my little rant for on on uh, on on Tuesday show. That uh you know, well, we ran the ball for zero, one, and two. So. I'll throw the ball 60 times because we were, we were able to throw the ball and move the chains throwing the football, so that's what we did instead. And, you know, it, it, did, it speaks a lot to that mentality. If, that, if that's really what it is, it looks like these running plays are designed that once the running back turns the corner, once the running back gets through the line of scrimmage, he's supposed to score a touchdown. And because they don't, that's where Maggie just tears that page out of the playbook and moves back to the passing game. Uh, uh, kind of thing he, he doesn't seem to be designing his running game so that David Montgomery can plow ahead for four yards or that maybe he gets five or six uh, or anything like that this this game this run is designed to get us three yards uh, you know that kind of thing just put it, it you know it just seems to be a little bit too fancy you know there's I, we don't see enough and Olin Crude said this there's not enough just put a man on a man it's one-on-one, block them, you know, open up the hole and let the running back do his job. It seems more like they're just trying to get in people's way and then, you know, it's just supposed to pop wide open uh, uh, kind of thing. Like the everyone talks about the Anthony Miller play where it's a jet sweep to the right side and to get to the outside, it was actually, it it looks like it, it was a play that could have worked, but uh, instead Trey Burton... Uh, Bobby Massey and I think one of the receivers, or it was David Montgomery. It was Montgomery, Massey, and Trey Burton all blocked one dude. You got three guys triple-teaming one while there were three guys there. So uh, Bobby Massey was the guy to the inside, so if he takes the inside man – and Trey Burton would have most likely been the guy to the outside. If he takes the outside man, uh, David Montgomery takes the guy in the middle, then all three of those bodies are covered. Anthony Miller has a much better chance to succeed there, and then the opportunity for him to break through the line of scrimmage and maybe do something with the ball are there. But the execution was off, and uh, you know probably because there's just a little too much going on there as opposed to everybody line up, you got the man in front of you, Go get him. You get your hands on him so that our running back can make his move and do his thing. And, you know, like I just watched the – it was a, a clip on YouTube of the Bears versus the Seahawks in the 2006 playoffs. The divisional round were at home against the Seahawks. They had a drive with Thomas Jones where they ran like eight or nine running plays in a row that ended with Jones scoring a touchdown. And, you know, you just saw the offensive line, man on a man, uh, with Jason McKee as the fullback. You got a fullback in there. Run him uh, into the hole. You block the linebacker. Thomas Jones gets four yards, five yards. He gets six on this one. He got nine on that one. He only got two on this one, and it ends up with, like, an eight-yard touchdown run. Our running game is not designed to do that, or at least that's not what I'm seeing when Olin Krutz or Brian Baldinger or anybody else starts posting clips of the Bears and their running game woes. I mean, it wouldn't have been an extensive uh, amount of research you'd have to do for all seven running plays that we had against the Saints on Sunday. But when you look at the running game, that's not what the Bears are doing. We're not using those big boys up front to just get a man on a man and get after it and open up a lane or or anything like that, it's all about, here, motion this guy, shift him over here, bring him to the other side of the formation, and while the defense is trying to figure out what's going on, we'll snap the ball and we'll run it, and boom, it'll break open for a 60-yard uh, run. And because it's not doing that, we're not averaging 15, 16, 17 yards a carry. Matt Nagy just tears the page out of the book, and here we go. We're just going to throw the ball 55 more times. So, you know, it's it's not designed for the running game to be to be patient with the running game, to uh, use it as a, a you know even to uh, I believe it was Jason that said during the interview to to keep the defense honest. You know, you run the football if it, if for no other reason than to keep the defense honest. And, and uh, it just uh, you know if they're just dropping back into with with us, it's kind of like twenty seventeen in reverse like we had 2017 we were facing eight and nine man boxes because we were running it on every down and maybe every now and then we would throw the football now they know we're not going to run the football they're playing short yardage you know they're playing like short zone defense they're daring us to throw the football deep because they know we're not going to you know they know that Mitch is going to throw everything inside of 10 yards so it's basically like everybody just drop back and then make sure nothing gets past you you know, they're going to get a three-yard gain, then stop the guy after, you know, get the, get the guy before he gets five yards. The, and it's been working for our opponents so far this year. We're not challenging anybody downfield or, or anything like that because we're not using play action like Jason and I talked about. We're, we're not using the running game to keep the defense honest. We're not using play action to at least freeze the linebackers to open up the middle of the field or anything uh like that we just need to be a bit more basic I guess on offense Nagy's trying to be a little bit too fancy with his schemes and you know I think I always kind of got the feeling and I even think I mentioned this during the Green Bay review is that he constantly seems like he's trying to catch the defense with their pants down like he wants every play to be a touchdown Uh, you know even though he said uh, you know during the press conference after the Green Bay game when we had first and 40 he's like who's got a play call for first and 40. I was like well watching your offense sometimes it seems like every one of your plays is designed for first and 40 because you don't seem to have a play for five yards, for six yards, for 10 yards or anything. Everything's supposed to be huge and I know that big plays were, were a big part of the offense in Kansas City but Kansas City also had a running game with Kareem Hunt and uh, uh, and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe we, uh, you know, as far as like Nagy says, he keeps uh, he's you know been 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 uh, you know pairing the defense or the offense down or whatever. Maybe it just need to go to straight up basics. Man on a man, you go get him, run the football, design a play to get four yards, and 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 you know something like that. I don't know we'll have to wait and see what happens you know as Jason told us running game has been one of the weaknesses of this football team so hopefully it's a good opportunity for us to be able to get the running game going and that can open up the rest of the offense uh, for us or at the very least help us maybe get a little play action going uh, and everything because the RPO thing isn't working for us we need to be more of a straight up uh, you know downhill runner kind of thing Uh, play action from time to time and then see how that opens up the uh, offense maybe that's part of the many changes that Nagy was talking about uh, last week so we'll have to wait and see the defense just needs to uh well (laughs) the defense's best friend this week will be the offense if the offense can get some drives together burn up some of the clock get the defense rested they'll be there for us to kick ass in the fourth quarter when they've been worn down for the last couple of games. So uh, I think it uh, would be the, the, the best uh, the best defense I think this week would be a good offense so that those animals that we have on the defensive side can be their mean and ugly selves in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that's that's really all I got. So we need, uh, we need some sacks. We need some turnovers. We need somebody other than Khalil Mack to make a play on the defensive side. Hopefully that was part of that players-only meeting, like I mentioned earlier in the show. So otherwise it's setting up well guys and and maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the ominous thing and why it won't work out because it just looks like it's supposed to uh, and the bears will come stumbling out of the blocks against the chargers and you know then we'll really be in trouble uh, if we lose this one we'll be three and four uh, and it could get really ugly uh, after that so we need this one we need this one and hopefully we'll be the uh, will be the wounded animal or the cornered animal that becomes dangerous. And instead of, uh, you know, when you have the choice for fight or flight that we fight and uh, work our way to 4-3 and three, and then maybe next weekend Philly we'll get 5-3 and three, and then we'll play uh, Detroit and we'll be 6-3. and three, And, you know, the whole thing kind of snowballs after that. So we'll see. Um, looking forward to the game on Sunday, seeing how it all goes down. Looking forward to a noon kickoff. I thought all week last week that the Bears and the Saints were – noon only to find out it was a three o'clock game i'm happy this one is starting at noon for sure it is starting at noon so i'll be able to have my sunday afternoon back and uh all that kind of stuff so anyway come back on tuesday when hopefully we'll be talking about our first victory episode in about a month and uh talk about how all what you know what improvements or what breaks did we get against the chargers to improve our record or will we need to put another explicit tag on it while I sit here and curse the heavens and everything else under the sun because the Bears have choked their ass and lost to a 2-5 football team at home? So come back on Tuesday and we'll find out. Until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Hey,